and welcome to Tripping with Friends, a travel podcast. My name is Curtis. I'm your host. Thanks for listening in. If you've ever traveled to some place and fallen in love with it, you've probably asked yourself, I wonder what it's like to live here. So today we're going to talk to Diana Rosenberger. Diana is a former colleague and coworker. Most recently, she was living in Chattanooga, but now she is living in Shanghai, China. Well, technically, she's not in China at the moment due to COVID-19, but she'll tell that story in a moment. Diana has previously lived in Europe, including Verena on Lake Como in Italy. It's a place I've been, and you need to put it on your bucket list. So Google it, and you'll understand why. Diana definitely has a boldness about her that welcomes the unknown and really embraces it. And I think that it's a powerful message of encouragement to get out there and explore this world. And as she says, we get one life. During our interview, we also talk about COVID-19, what it's been like in China, what it's like living in a communist country, and then the places that you definitely need to visit when you are in China. And now let's talk to We Diana. are here with Diana. Diana, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited at the opportunity. So you are living in China, but sequestered in Waleska, Georgia. Yes, that is true. Um, my partner and I moved in August last year for a, a job opportunity, and we had scheduled vacation that coincided with Chinese New Year, which is you know mid to the end of, of January. We had scheduled some vacation to come back and actually did some traveling in this part of the world early part of January. And we got stuck here. We were supposed to fly back to China, back to Shanghai on February 10th. But um, thanks to COVID-19, we've been unable to do so. So what turned into a month is looking like six. Wow. So you are, you're stuck here indefinitely. And obviously, things have opened back up in China, but not so much here to allow you to travel, right? Yeah, we really missed that sweet spot. I mean, I, I think, you know, had we tried, well, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Yeah. So had we tried to go back, you know, middle of March, we may have had some some quarantine and, and, and testing hurdles to get past. But it sounds like from all of our new friends that life is more or less back to normal in, in China, or at least in Shanghai. So so yeah, we we wish we had gone, but making the best of of the situation here. Well, I think, I think, I know personally, I'm kind of tired of talking about coronavirus. So maybe we'll put that aside real quick, knowing that it's always out there to maybe come back to, but I'm interested in, in what took you to China and what, why did you make the decision to make a big leap from the U.S. to living in China for three years? Well, so for us, um, both Felix and I have spent you know, fairly sizable parts of our lives overseas. Um, he's Colombian and spent the first, you know, half of his life living in Colombia and then um, coming you know, to the U.S. and is a huge traveler. And um, I really, since the time I was a teenager, have been going abroad. I did a semester abroad. and I, I, I lived in Australia during my undergraduate and I did a master's program in France in my, well, when I was 30 and ended up living and working in Europe for four years. So we both have this, you know, desire and we really grow and thrive in different environments when we immerse ourselves in different cultures. Um, you know, there's something 
at least for us, about being in an environment that's so different that you're on your toes, your brain is working, whether it's language or just noticing small details of things that are different from the way you grow up. You know, we just really feel alive in those types of environments. So when the opportunity came for Felix to work there, he's on a three minimum of three-year contract. You know, it wasn't even a question. It wasn't even a discussion as to whether or not it was something that we were going to do. Well, I, I certainly admire your your boldness. I think there's there's a lot of us that feel like maybe that's something that we want to do, but we can think of a million reasons to not do it. So kudos to you guys. And and I'm sure there's been so many great opportunities that have come out of it, even though you've only been there a short amount of time. One of the driving factors, I guess, personally, was um, what a really cool opportunity, you know, to live in, in China, you know, live China, and then be, you know, at a, in a part of the world that is just not accessible for, you know, short trips. You know, hopefully the situation improves and, and we can continue. In the first, let's see, in the first, I guess, six months we were there, um, we actually did a lot of China, China, a lot of travel within China. Felix's parents and sisters came over for Christmas. So we got to go to Beijing and do the Great Wall, which I highly recommend. Um, Great Wall of China was, I mean, just incredible. Um, things like the Forbidden Palace and the Summer Summer Palace, um, you know, just just amazing tourist tourist places, but just amazing. Um, and then we also had an opportunity to travel to Thailand, which you know we could do a whole new a whole nother podcast on, as well as we've taken some weekend trips, kind of you know a few hour drive into the mountains um, from Shanghai. So that's been really cool. Yeah, so that that's a that's a good point. Once you're once you're over there, it's a lot easier to check out the neighboring countries or just the neighboring regions because you're not having to fly twenty four hours. And is it is it relatively yeah. to, to get to Thailand, for example, is that relatively inexpensive to fly there? Yeah, so it was it was about a four hundred dollar flight. Um, okay, I don't mind sharing. And we met, funny enough, we met some Americans who um, were telling us they had found round trip airfare from JFK to Bangkok, and um, it for like five hundred dollars. So we were talking about how you know the money really wasn't, at least you know with the bargain that they found that really wasn't the money. But you know they sat on thirteen. 16 hour flights. Whereas, you know, it, it was just a, it was, you know, a long weekend doable for us. And then when you, you know, when you sit on an airplane for that long, you want to stay, you know, a couple of weeks. For sure. Flying that halfway across the world, it's not something you want to do for a long weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, but one of the things that was kind of cool and, and you know, I'll talk about China, but um, being in China, I've been, I don't know if I'd say surprise, but there really is a, um, you know, there are so many people. I mean, the population of China is 1.4 billion. So there are people everywhere. And the city that we moved to, you know, Shanghai, is one of the biggest cities in the world. Um, the population is debatable, but, you know, 20, 28 to 30 million. So you're never, you're always surrounded by people, which is a bit of an adjustment. But the culture is so, um, it's such a non-threatening culture. To, 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 to live and kind of play in, you know, I've really never had any sort of like fears for my personal safety. You know, you kind of start to think like, Oh, I've been one place in Asia, which I've been a few places in Asia, but, and you start to kind of 
think, well, Asia is like this one experience I've had. And traveling to Thailand was really interesting because we were walking around and it just kind of hit me like, I have this false sense of security now walking around, you know, Asian countries that I, I is, you know, is real in, in China. It's very safe in China. You know, that being, you know, walking down the streets in Bangkok, it's like, I don't know that it's as safe here. So it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. Well, what was it like coming into, you said you're in Beijing or Shanghai? We, we live in Shanghai. Shanghai, okay. Yeah, so, so we travel to Beijing. Right, okay. So you live in Shanghai. You've, you've been there six months or so. What, I mean, what was it like moving to this place where you probably didn't speak the language and you're surrounded by people? What's that kind of initial few weeks like? So I don't know if my answer would be the same as, as, as others, but for me, having lived abroad before, I knew, I knew to expect things to be different. So that, you know, initial culture shock, um, it, you know, it, it, for me, it was, I feel like the, the big culture shock that I experienced in my life was that first like real immersion out of, you know, out of an environment that I, that I knew. And by no way is, is Europe and, and China the same, but I would have moments where it would be like, oh, this is really different, or this is something new. And I would almost have flashbacks to like the first time I experienced it. You know, a really simple example is, you know, as Americans, we're used to like big ice waters when you go to restaurants. And, you know, if I know you've been to Europe, like big ice water is just not a thing. You get, you know, an oversized shot glass with yeah. know, room temperature water. Mm. And in China, um, it's all tea. I mean, you're served complimentary tea. No, hot tea. Hot tea. Yeah. Or at least warm tea or brown okay. water <laughs> in some cases. So it was like, oh yeah, there's, oh, this is like Europe because it's not like home was kind of how I, you know, had those moments. Yeah. It's not wrong. It's just, yeah, no. it's just, that's what's normal for, for that culture. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think actually for me, I think because I, I prepared or I'm, you know, I'm mentally prepared that things are going to be different and the language is going to be hard. And I'm, I'm going into a situation where maybe I'm not going to understand, or I'm going to rely on, you know, other forms of communication, like body language and using my fingers to count and that kind of thing. Um, those, like those, you know, initial weeks as moments I didn't let them rattle me. What really gets me sometimes is the reverse culture shock. So like being back in the U.S. Um, and it's almost like things will hit me that I'm like, oh, wow, that's very American or that's very, you know, Southern. And it's not like that in other parts of the world. Do you have a, do you have a can you think of an example? So I had, we walked into a super Walmart <laughs> I almost had like an anxiety attack because not, not a literal attack, but yeah. it was like, Oh my gosh, these things are so big. I mean, the carts are so big. The parking spaces in the parking lot are so big. And even in China with, you know, people everywhere, things just aren't that big. I mean, cars in other parts of the world aren't, you know, you don't see these like, you know, Yukon size SUVs <laughs> driving yeah. down the street. And so the size of things, I will give you kind of a, a positive though is, um, you know, laundry. I have never been, I've never lived in another country where I could do laundry as efficiently as I can do it in the U S and we're lucky. We, we have a washer and dryer in, in China and a lot of people only have a washing machine and it's about the size of a bar fridge. 
you know, it's, it's a fraction of the size of, of, of what our washing machines look like. And to do laundry, you know, washed and dried is a good, like six hour activity. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So oh coming gosh. home where the first things we did was like, and all of our clothes fitted one load and it was done in, you know, an hour and a half. <laughs> so my goodness, what is one thing that you've really enjoyed so far about your short time in, in China that's kind of making it worth all the yeah. effort? Um, that's a great question. I think, so we, Felix and I, you know, lived in, in Chattanooga for about four years. That's where we met. And um, I think moving from, you know, a city the size of, of Chattanooga to moving to, you know, one of the biggest cities in the world it's it's just really cool. I mean, I know it's not for everybody, but for us, um, you know, people will ask me like, oh, well, what do you miss from home? And aside from, you know, the people, there's really not anything that we can miss because like Shanghai has everything, every nationality, every type of food. You know, Felix has gotten rolled into a, a group of Colombians, there are over 400 Colombians in this particular group that, you know, live in Shanghai. Oh, that's so, so cool. He's buying, he's buying, yeah, he's buying, um, you know, Colombian ingredients, cooking Colombian food. And these are just things we didn't have access to, at least living, you know, leave, living in, in the, the Southeast. Yeah, I, I think that's cool. And then I also really love, you know, I grew up in the DC area. So, you know, I had growing up, I, I was in a very diverse environment, you know, friends of different ethnicities and religions and backgrounds. And just to kind of be in that, you know, diverse environment again is, is really cool for us. Yeah, that's awesome. As somebody who's never lived in a big city, I mean, you're really pointing out some of the, you know, the benefits that maybe we miss out on in our smaller southern towns. Oh, I mean, there's something to be said for the peace and quiet, which oh, for sure, sure. I'm not, do- I'm not dogging it, but you yeah. know, if, you, if you're really <laughs> yeah. in, if you're really into food, if you're really into cultural experiences, getting to know practices from people from other backgrounds, then it's hard in a place like where I live, or even a bigger city like Chattanooga. Not to say that it's yeah. anything bad it's just you know if that's something that you really crave then it, it is a, a bit more challenging so maybe i mean i feel like i need to ask you about living in a communist country and we don't have to go super deep into <laughs> it but like just you know on a daily basis are you aware that you're in a place where the government's very different than in the united states so this was this was something um that we were really curious about and we found it super interesting. So one of the things, um, and I've joined a lot of, I've I've gone to a lot of conferences and, and things. So, you know, have a sustainability background and it's really interesting on a couple levels. So I'll say first and foremost, things happen very efficiently. They're like, things are very fast. They may not happen the way you are prepared for them to happen, but they happen fast. So, you know, you think about 1.4 billion people and they're governed by a very small group. So if someone says build a bridge or in the case of Wuhan, build a hospital, 
Like there's no debating, there's no red tape, there's no bureaucracy. It just gets built. Build a hospital, there's a hospital. So that's kind of cool. They're also very advanced in terms of like tech. Um, and I think it goes, well, I guess I know it goes to the fact that privacy is really not a thing. Um, and we hear, you know, we have ways that, you know, we, we see this portrayed in the news, but, you know, there is just no expectation of privacy. So um, their apps track everything. Um, I don't know if you've seen, but during, you know, the, the, the virus outbreak, um, they actually used an app to track where they've been, who they've come in contact with. And in order to get into places, it's a, it's a QR code and your QR code has to be green. Like if you want to go eat at this restaurant, you've got to scan a green QR oh, code to get in. Wow. So yeah. it's like a, it's like a traceability thing, but also showing the establishment that you're clear to be out or something. Yeah. Wow. That was one of the things we were trying to figure out in a, in a scramble, you know, to get back was, okay, how do we download this app and how do we, you know, how do we show that we've got a green QR code? And I know I've seen, you know, some talks, um, about it here. And it's just not something as an American, you know, we're not prepared to give up that kind of, that kind of personal privacy. I talked <clears throat> kind of, I made a comment about feeling really safe in China you know, right or wrong, the lack of privacy, the fact that there are cameras everywhere and everyone is, is, you know, can be pinpointed makes for a society where there's just, I mean, there's no crime. It was actually really funny. Um, I'm not saying there's no, I'm not naive just to think that there's no crime. I, um, I get an email one day that said, it was talking about a particular area of town and it said, crime has been eradicated in this district, you know, thanks to the CCTV cameras. And I mean, it's just like, whoa, this is mind-blowing. Never in the U.S. would you see something that says crime has been eradicated, you know, and, and again, you can, you know, dissect that how you want, but just a different way of, of thinking. One of the things that's also really cool about, um, you know, living abroad is the expat community is um, very inviting. So we're parts of a lot of chats, um, you know, similar to Facebook groups of people from all over the world who just, you know, are expats, non-Chinese nationals. And one night, these chats started blowing up and it was talking about a shootout in our neighborhood. And, you know, we're looking at each other like, a shootout? Nobody has guns here? Like, this is, what's going on? And um, someone had posted the video. It went viral. It was a, an older, drunk Chinese man who was literally dancing in the street surrounded by cops who were yelling at him in Chinese. I mean, he's dancing, like waving his hands, <clears throat> like the traditional you know, Chinese dance they do in the parks. And then all of a sudden you hear like, pow, 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 pow. I mean, like dozens of pow, pow, pows. And um, the guy kind of stops. He like one shoulder, you know, moves back. Then the other, he looks around confused. And eventually he falls. You know, they had shot him with rubber bullets. And what percentage actually hit him? I have no idea. But it was like, this was violent crime. And, or this was, you know, a shootout in, in China. So it's, it's, it's just, you know, for us, it's just like, what? This is crazy. Wow. But back to, to your question, you know, one other thing I'll, I'll say about, you know, living under a, a, a different, form of government, I have a lot of 
you know, Western educated Chinese nationals that are, I'm friends with that I went to, to business school with. And I love having this conversation with them because, um, you know, we kind of have this joke that's like, oh, you Americans and your freedoms. Um, and, you know, it's very, it's very lighthearted. But the, the perception really is, you know, we've got all these people and as long as you're like operating within the, you know, the, the guidelines or the, the parameters, then you're going to live a good life. Like things are going to be taken care of. You're not going to have any trouble. And the, and again, I'm, I'm sort of sharing the perspective that, you know, I've heard is that, um, you know, where, where China's going in terms of, um, like social and environmental issues. And they're really opening up. I mean, for being a communist country, it's amazing the opportunity I've seen for people to become wealthy. You know, the, the general consensus is, hey, President Xi's doing the things that we want him to do. So, you know, we're gonna we're gonna stay in line and and those lines, you know, that that road, if you will, is is widening. You know, a thing to to keep in mind if you're gonna visit China you know, Google is censored there. Facebook is censored there. The, the apps that you know, we use here don't work. And what we found is there really are ways around that. I mean, there are VPNs you can, you can buy. And the Chinese, like my friends, you know, they, they use the workarounds and yeah, it's inconvenient, but you know, they have access to, you know, global news and, and whatnot. But China, you know, talking about you know, how fast and the technology, they've really given a lot of alternatives to, I mean, they have their own, you know, they have WeChat, which is, you know, on some levels, you know, 10 times better than, than Facebook. And they've got their own, you know, Badu, which is their own Google. And so it's, you know, it's not like they're lacking the things we don't have. They have their own versions of them. So it was a long answer. No, that I, it's totally fascinating. I, I, I do want to maybe ask you to give like your quick pitch for someone who's considering visiting China. Where should they go? Yeah, I actually, um, I, I feel like if you're, especially if you're, you know, if you're coming from, from the U.S. or from North America, or, uh, you know, I would do the Great Wall. I would do Beijing. I, I just think those are such um, those are such like just vast and impressive ancient parts of the world that you you know we just don't have anything like that here. Um, and the history is fascinating. I and I would you know being if you don't speak Chinese you know, do some research, find a guide and, and pay the money and, and just, you know, spend, we spent, I think we spent four days, four or five days. Shanghai is a great city to, to live in, but there's really not a lot to do as a tourist. Um, definitely, if you're going to go to Shanghai, you know, you've got to go see the Bund, which is um, that famous skyline. It's a mix of kind of old world, new world. Really, That's really cool. And, and I'm surprising myself a little bit by, by pushing the, the touristy things because I really am more of like you uh, travel like a local and stay in Airbnbs and live like a local when you're, when you're in a place. There are some great hole in the walls. Some of the challenges you'll find is that um, a lot of the restaurants, you know, the Chinese restaurants that are really great experiences, um, they don't have English names. So, you know, finding them is just really <laughs> difficult. So on that note, I would say 
and, and I, I recommend this anywhere we go. We love doing food tours, um, the walking food tours, you know, if you can do it. Particularly in Shanghai, the breakfast food tours are really cool. Um, oh, man. Yeah, just... Um, so we, we've done food tours, and gosh, it sounds so touristy. And maybe it is, but it's always fun. And yeah. so that's, I think that's really good advice. Yeah, we love the food tours and cooking classes. Um, and the cool thing, you know, I, I made the comment about it's, you know, it's it's easy. It's a country that seems to be easy to make money. There are tons of small businesses, tons of startups. I mean, we have friends, both Chinese and, and expat, that, you know, have started things like food tours and walking tours. And, you know, Airbnb is, you know, is a, is a thing there. So you can find, like, they've got the experience experiences now so if you can find a local if you can find somebody that lives there um, I think that's the best way maybe as maybe as our last question what advice would you give to someone that feels like they would love to go and live in another country but they're nervous or they're scared what would you what would you tell that person well I I mean the short answer is I would tell them to just do it you know we have one life I had a counselor years ago and I was talking about this, this very thing, you know, it was when I first moved to Europe. Um, cause I was 30, I was working, I had a house. I, and, um, she said, you know, how, how long do you plan to be alive? And I was like, well, you know, like I'm going to live to hundred. And she was like, so what's one year, you know, like what's one year out of your life to, you know, and then the worst case you go, it doesn't work out. Then you just, you know, you fold back into your old life and, you know, I, I don't, that definitely didn't happen for me. And you know, I'd be surprised if, if that happens to others. So I say do it. Just do it. Just do it. Well, <laughs> you know, there are a lot of things that need to, you know, be figured out, but. Well, I think that, I think that might be the part that at, le- at least for me bogs me down. It's yeah. okay. I could get on board with going and living in England um, because of all the different reasons why it would be amazing. It's the, well, I got to figure out what do I do with my house yeah. here? And what do I do? How do I get a work permit? You know, what is all, what are all the governmental things that I need to learn about before I get over there? Um, schools for the kids and insurance. It's, so I get, I, I let all of those things discourage me. Yeah. But I think, I think you're hitting it on the head. Like if it's something that you really feel like you want in your life is that experience, then just don't let it. Yeah. Don't let that drag you down and just jump into it. Yeah. And I like, I I think I've said this before, but um, you know, I have friends all the time that will say, Oh, you're, you're so lucky. You know, you get to do this or you, you know, people will look at my, my Facebook pictures and they'll say things like, oh, do you ever work? And, you know, it's, it's like, this is a choice that I've made, um, you know, and, and with any choice, there are sacrifices. You just have to weigh what's, what's most important to you. You know, and I, I didn't have anything to lose. You know, I really only had things to gain this, this go round. So it's, it's just a matter of, you know, what you, what you really want and then going after it. This has been totally enlightening to me and I appreciate you sharing with us uh, all your experiences so far and we wish you nothing but the best in getting back to normal (laughs) life in China. Thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. And that's it for this week's episode. Thanks for joining us on Tripping with Friends. 
Thanks to Diana for being our guest this week. Please remember to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Get notified when we have new episodes every week. And remember to follow us on Instagram, Tripping with Friends Podcast. Until next time. <laughs>